Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Why'd you hand me that, that sign, Jeremy? What time? You, you were giving me like a another sign after the five countdown. Did I do something oh. wrong to start it? No, I didn't mean to. I okay. I think my hand was just up involuntarily. Involuntar- involuntarily throwing your hands up, which is what you do when you hear that the Pride of Detroit POD cast is live, coming to your eardrums right now. Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us live now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Pride of Detroit POD cast on all your devices. Thanks to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. We got a few things to get through today. We're going to talk about Teddy, not Ryan's son, Teddy, but uh, his other son, Teddy, that he enjoys. We're going to take you around the NFC North. We've talked a lot about the Lions offseason, but we try to also keep an eye on the other three uh, pools that are part of this NFC North and let you know how they have gone and whether or not we can laugh at them or be really frustrated that they've had a good offseason. It is now, I believe, what, 14, 15, 17 days to the draft? Sounds good. Sounds right. Yeah, we got some top 30 visits to talk about, and it can't come soon enough. But yes, I am Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And that other voice right there, the first voice is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion. Yes, that's me. I don't have much to say. Like we're, we're in this weird middle stage where free agency is done, but the draft is still two and a half weeks away. So nothing is happening. So we are going to try to not generate news, but like talk about maybe some of the these smaller things, and then yeah, like get to the division. This is this is this is the this is the sargasso. This is the sargasso C part of the pre-draft process where there's like nothing. That I, I have to pull out the the Chris Wiktionary for that one. Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Now, Ryan is also our NBA insider, so I need to ask him now that their season is over. When do the Pistons play tonight, Ryan? Hopefully no time soon. Hopefully they play as soon as Cade Cunningham is healthy because, man, were they not worth watching without him. And that is the end of Pistons talk now and forever. (laughs) But it's not the end of car talk. It is never the end of car talk. I think Car Talk jumps the shark when I learned how to like change oil and did change oil, but oh, that's 
that's too much card knowledge for card. Yeah, anyway, let's let's get back to the Detroit Lions. Let's talk about uh, QB2. Speaking of cars and uh, having one in the garage. So the Lions were clearly not happy with uh, just Nate Sudfeld. Reports out this past week, the Lions have a great interest in Teddy Bridgewater. And they have made Teddy Bridgewater a very strong contract offer. Why, why are you singing in that sultry voice? That's because I'm sick. No, I'm not trying to do it. It's because I'm, <laughs> I've been sick for a week. So it's okay. going to sound like that because my throat is also on fire. But yes, I'm sure that Teddy Bridgewater makes some members of this podcast panel uh, very excited. So the Lions are clearly not happy with the idea of Nate Sudfeld. But Ryan, what would Teddy Bridgewater coming to Detroit really mean? Would he? I, I'm assuming... We can all agree he'd probably jump Nate Sudfeld right away. Yeah, Nate Sudfeld isn't a part of the Lions' future should Teddy Bridgewater be the backup quarterback in Detroit. I, I, I couldn't imagine a I couldn't imagine a 53-man roster that includes both you know Teddy Bridgewater and Nate Sudfeld. So one would come at the expense of the other. Um, happy trails, Nate. I'm sure you'll do just fine being a backup quarterback somewhere else. If Teddy Bridgewater is the guy, I, I, I like the prospect of Teddy Bridgewater being a quarterback for the Detroit lions talked about it a little bit on our Spotify live, but um, the, the, the main thing is right. The, uh, the familiarity with the coaching staff, Dan Campbell, especially, um, you know, Teddy was backing up Drew Brees in New Orleans while, while Dan was there actually came in when Drew Brees suffered that injury in, in 2019 and uh, stabilized the ship, you know, kept the ship afloat. That team ended up going 13 and three. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a five and O record as a spot starter for the New Orleans Saints that season. And, you know, you can look at maybe some of his numbers since then, and they aren't, they aren't so eye popping, but I think that just goes to prove that Teddy Bridgewater isn't a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. As a backup quarterback, I don't think you can do much better than than Teddy Bridgewater as far as somebody, Jeremy, that you can trust to not turn the ball over. Uh, he's very good at limiting turnovers. Uh, Dave Burkett did that deep dive on, on backup quarterbacks that the Lions might be interested in, you know, focused on the things that Ben Johnson talked about, right? Like, how do you play on third down? How do you play in crunch time uh, in, in two minute drills? So I, I'm a big fan of Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is a big fan of Dan Campbell, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he have you ready to what punch somebody in the face punch. for no reason at all, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you make of it, Jeremy? I don't know. Part of it is like we don't really know the timeline of this. Did this, you know, really competitive offer happen before or after they signed Nate Sudfeld? Is it on the table now still or is it something that they they're going to come and address after the draft? It, it It's part of the story that we don't know. That's kind of critical to knowing everything, right? Like, was he was Teddy Bridgewater one of those two free agent quarterbacks that weren't Nate Sudfeld that didn't work out when when Brad Holmes was talking about it? Does it still have a chance of working out? We didn't really get any of that information in a very short report that just says the Lions have a great offer on the table or whatever. Um, and so I don't I don't know the likelihood of it necessarily happening. Um, but it, I mean, yeah, it, I, I think we all kind of highlighted Teddy Bridgewater as a really good option at the beginning of free agency for that backup job. And if if you were to believe Brad Holmes at the beginning of free agency, where he said like, Hey, we really need to add competition to this room. Well, yeah. Ted, Teddy Bridgewater makes all the sense in the world. Um, yeah. It's, it's not really competition when you're just bringing back the same guy from last year. Right. And it, I mean, granted, it also really felt like the lions struck out. Yeah. Like well, it, it felt when, when the Holmes, Nate Sudfeld sign came, it felt like they swung and missed. Sir. Yeah. And, and Holmes kind of almost sold it that way too. Like unintentionally sold it that way. He's like, he he had to try to sell us on Nate Sudfeld. He just, well, well, realize you don't like Sudfeld seems like kind of an unknown because he doesn't have a lot of starts, but he was one of our top three guys in free agency. And and that has me wondering, like, OK, do they not think they're still in it for Teddy Bridgewater? I don't know. Um, maybe I, I think the best explanation that, that I can work out in my mind, and this is speculation on my part, is they might have a good deal on the table with Teddy Bridgewater. And they're both sides are like, let's see how the draft plays out. Lions might draft their backup. I think I think we've all pointed out to, you know, 
the, the, the strong possibility of the Lions draft a quarterback at some point in this draft. Maybe they draft their future starter. I, I'm still not of the belief that they will, but it's certainly a possibility. The Hendon Hooker conversation we're going to have a little bit later. Any of those guys could be the backup. And if that's the case, then then you don't pay Teddy Bridgewater, and then you probably keep Nate Sudfeld as a veteran backup in your room. Um, but if they don't, if it does, if you know the the board doesn't line up with when they're on the clock and they don't come out with the quarterback, then the day after the quarterback, you say, "Hey, Teddy Bridgewater, come on down. You're you're a backup quarterback this year," and and you're you're set either way. I think you're you're in a good position either way. Obviously, you you don't. It's not ideal to have a backup quarterback as your a, a rookie. You know, that's not it's not great, but it's not a death sentence. And and I, I hate to use the exception as the example, but the 49ers did a pretty okay job with a backup quarterback um coming from the seventh round uh rookie. So it's they're they're in they're in a much I think most people now feel a little bit better about the backup quarterback position, whereas a lot of people were freaking out about it with with just running it back with Nagus Hudfield, which is understandable to be a little bit frustrated about. But now it feels like there's there's some plans, plans, there's some backup plans, there's some contingency plans. I'm feeling all right. How Ryan, for you, how much does it change the uh the Lions outlook on the draft as far as the quarterback position, assuming that well, assuming several scenarios. One to what Ryan uh Jeremy's saying that maybe it's it's a matter of you know waiting to see what the lions do in the draft, but also like if, if he does sign and you have three deep going into the draft, does that change anything for the lions? I keep on coming back to the comment that Holmes made at the combine about the timeline for quarterbacks during free agency and how some of them just want to see how the draft plays out before they decide where they're going to, you know, drop their anchor so to speak. So I I understand why they haven't made the move because I think that you might be tipping your hand a little bit drafting at six and you go and get Teddy Bridgewater. That kind of seems like hmm, if you're going to, if you're going to get a developmental quarterback, you're probably going to draft one way later if Teddy Bridgewater is your backup. Um, So I, I can understand why we might be in this holding pattern for two weeks where Teddy Bridgewater doesn't sign. You got to wait to see how the draft plays out and then we'll, we'll go from there. But like, like Jeremy said, contingency plans, backup plans. Uh, I, I, I like this better than sliding into home. So to yeah. speak. Yeah. Base. We're hitting baseball talk in there too. We're really, Brad we're Holmes really, fault. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, Jeremy on the cheating podcast is thanks to the cheating podcast is wearing a tiger's cap today too. So I guess we're uh, make sure everything's being represented well here. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what, what was that motion? What was that supposed to be? I'm I wasn't going to bring up the, the cheating podcast. That was him keeping his infidelity on the low, low. <laughs> well, only because he mentioned it during the pre-show first. Anyway, uh, top 30 visits are happening. We've had uh, quite a few of them, Jeremy. Some bigger more than others. I know we've got another one on the way with Hendon Hooker coming in on Tuesday. Um, I, do we want to read the whole list, or is, or is there like any that like kind of sticks out to you, Jeremy? How- well, let, let's start with Hendon Hooker, right? Like since we're on the quarterback talk, okay. and then yeah, I think we can pick out a, a either Hendon Hooker, but not Adrian Martinez. <laughs> no, no, um, that is a joke. That is a joke. I, I didn't realize Adrian Martinez might be the one person who might actually be older than Hendon Hooker in the draft. <laughs> no, I think, I think Hendon Hooker is an interesting one and I'm not, I, I swear I'm not doing this to, to torment Ryan. Cause I know he's pretty vehemently against drafting him, at least in the first round. Um, but if it, it's interesting, right? If, if you believe kind of the trajectory of where his value is, it might be at the end of that first round. And, and so maybe the lines are, are doing their due diligence. Maybe they're just getting an injury report, just an injury checkup. The guy is on a, a, a torn ACL, but um, I also think it's a really good point that Ryan brought up about not signing Ted, Teddy Bridgewater before the draft, because if you do, I think you're probably out on the Hendon Hooker and you've given away your intentions there. Um, but but I, th- I, I think I think he he's in play maybe at 18. Maybe if you if you pull a Brett Whitefield and you, you jump into the, the first round for a third first round pick, maybe at the end of the first round. It's just it's really interesting to me because um, because of everything. Right. Like he has an, an incredibly high ceiling, but he's got two or three major strikes against him in the ACL in the age and coming from a, a system that just doesn't project very well 
to the NFL, but you can get tempted by, by some of those big things. Not, not, not just like the huge production, but also that he's got a lot of really good tools in his toolkit. So you, you combine that and, and you have a, 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 Rookie that's going to come in with a veteran mindset. I think he's a very mature, very good leader. He has all those those kind of intangibles that I think the Lions are going to really, really like. And so I I find it a fascinating uh, conversation. And I know people are probably sick of quarterback talk, but I just think he's a really, really interesting prospect. And uh, you know, a, a, a tough decision, maybe tougher decision than than some people are putting out there, just because like I do think that the ceiling is incredibly high with him. I think that he has, um, as Dane Brugler, the beast came out today and my goodness, um, it's time to, uh, start reading that. Right. Um, but one of the first players I went to was Hendon Hooker. So I was really interested to see what his write-up was. And he had a, he had a, um, second round grade on him, uh, 49th overall prospect and, you know, labels him a quote unquote down the road starting potential for, for Hendon Hooker. And I can see that, um, there, there's some other concerns with me that were also highlighted in, in the beast fumbled 39 times in college, including 22 times uh, at Tennessee. And it's not because he's got little itty bitty hands. Um, he he checks he checks that box just fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I think for me personally, Jeremy, the reason why the Hendon Hooker thing was getting out of control was because we we're there were people talking about him as a top 10 quarterback and no, he's actually quarterback number three. And <laughs> there's just too many question marks yeah. for me to sure. to say that he should be ranked that highly. There, there's a lot of people taking like for, for all the, I, I understand all the reasons why we would put question marks on say someone like Anthony Richardson for X or Y that he did in college. But then it's very fascinating to see how many of those same people then ignore the same problems you have for certain college things that say Hendon Hooker would do. Not saying the same prospect by any, by any certain means, but to what you're saying, Ryan, like, the amount of question marks that he has just gets very quickly thrown under the bus just because people want to believe in, I think, the narrative of Hendon Hooker. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. And and another another interesting thing that, you know, Dane brings up as, as a weakness is that that simplified college offense that Jeremy talked about as, as one of maybe the, mm-hmm. the marks against him. 53.6% of his dropbacks in 2022 were play action. Now that might endear him to the Lions coaching staff because they do they do like throwing that play action, but um, yeah, there, there are question marks. I I it's interesting. <laughs> I I, I kind of want to just leave it at that. Like it's 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 interesting. It's interesting because the timeline, yeah, right. It, it it's Goss timeline. It's that's the most pressing issue, right, Jeremy? And that's why Teddy Bridgewater feels like a band aid. But that's fine. Like it, 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 it fixes things in the here and now. It's more stable. It's more. Uh, you have more. Um, I'm failing to find the word. You, you, you have a longer runway. You do. I, I, you, you, you're more encouraged by the fact you have Teddy Bridgewater behind Jared Goff than you do Nate Sudfeld, right? Sure. Right. Um, but I think we've kind of come to the understanding like this is the year where Jared Goff is going to go out and he's going to earn himself a contract extension. Um, So uh, does that runway need to be pushed up? Does it need to roll it all the way back because Jared Goff is your guy? This draft is very important. Newsflash. (laughs) It's going to be very telling too, right? Yeah, exactly. One of the more interesting, uh, one of the more interesting visits I saw was for, um, now I'm trying to remember because I know is it are we going with Steve Avila? Is that how he likes to call himself now? As far as I know. Because I've seen Estefan Avila, but Steve Avila, which I know already there's probably some Lions fans. We gotta talk back a bit because uh similarities with last name. But he's been one of the more intriguing prospects for me as far as like linemen in the draft. I know the Lions aren't completely in a need right now, but uh I thought I thought he I've I liked what he did in college. I also liked that he could apparently go out and and house Fogo to Chow. It was a great Fox. There was a video out there. I think Jeff Schwartz runs the uh big boys club and they were all out went out for some Brazilian uh Brazilian barbecue. So that was going around today. But I know he was one of the visits out there. Well yeah. Uh, yeah. He's 
he's a fantastic prospect. I think he, I mean, guard is, we've been talking about, I, I think it is. I mean, he could come in and start day one if, if need be. I don't think that's what the lines are going to do at guard. I think, mm-hmm. I think they'll add a guy and probably sit him for a year and that's fine for, you know, a, a second round pick. I th- again, I think we need to shed ourselves of these crazy rookie expectations that, that Brad Holmes has built up because he's been one, such a good drafter. And two, because the, the, the roster has been so bad that, third and second and sixth round picks have, have started for this team in rookie year. Avila's a guy who fills a long-term need at guard, which yeah, we're, I mean, you might need, you might need a starter at both guard positions. If the Lions can't lock up Jonah Jackson, I, I also find it interesting that they've done a lot of homework on the interior offensive line class. So yes. it's just not, it's not just Avila. It's Osiris Torrance. Jordan, they, I mean, just a ton of people. And if you want to include Darnell right in that conversation as well, Cody Mount. I mean, like a bunch of guys. And so if you if you want to read the tea leaves again, like that, there could be different individual reasons for seeing all these guys. Maybe they want to do medical checks on them. Maybe they have I think personality really questions. Puts it on, I think it really puts it on the radar for like day two, especially, sure. you know, with, so. with where they have the picks and how many they've brought in. Because, yeah, yeah, Ryan, it wasn't just bringing Avila. It was Darnell Washington. It was. Antonio Maffi, it was, you know, Osiris Torrance. Like they definitely have seen of the visits they've had, they've brought in quite a few linemen. Yeah. You you mean Darnell Wright, right? Because Darnell, Darnell Wright. Washington, what, yeah. I, I, yes. Yes. A uh, couple, of, couple of Darnell W's. I wish that they would bring in Darnell Washington and he would effectively be, he would effectively be like an extra tight end or an extra offensive lineman. Yeah. They've only really end, but... had a visit with one, uh, tight end and that's uh jamal turner from toledo yeah can't tell you much about jamal turner but no. what i can tell you is i think avila might be one of those guys that he might not be there at 48 and i think a lot of people are expecting him to be there he's a guy that it wouldn't surprise me if he's like top of the second round like yeah hey, i you think not you turn on your tv on day two and it's steve avila's name uh yeah, so Rugler, i think had him second round 40th overall yeah so yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a there's a good chance that there's a good chance that the Lions at 48 and 55, it, there's just that big gap, right? Yeah. Like they they pick 18 and then they don't pick again for 30 picks, you know. Um, so the, the, there's a lot uh, just doing mock drafts because that's the only thing you can do right now, right? <laughs> the only thing you can do to to bide your time um, in in a very unhealthy way is to just do mock drafts and and you kind of see how the players tear themselves out and and which positions are, are readily available at mm-hmm. certain spots. And, you know, you, you, you get into that 48 55 zone and, you know, the, some of the top guards, like, like you said, Jeremy, you know, they brought in Osiris Torrance. He's probably gone by then Avila. Maybe he might be there. They brought in that, um, the kid from uh, North Carolina state too. Didn't they, uh, last name starts with a Z. Oh, I for complete uh, Z- uh, Chandler, Chandler Zavala. Yeah. Zavala, yeah. Um, so they, they're de- definitely Zavala. doing their homework. They're doing their homework. Just like, uh, like Jeremy said, because there could be a real need at the interior offensive line position as soon as like now. Yeah. Yeah. I think the offensive line is always something you want to look anyway, just because you're always kind of refueling it as you go to like, yeah, I next mean, couple of years at some point, probably picking up a tackle just in case with Taylor Decker. But and and they're I mean, they're just spending a ton on the position right now. At some point, yeah. you have to get younger and cheaper. So um, why not start now? Um, be- before we go into break, I-, I do want to talk about maybe the 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 visit that sticks out the most to me as, Ooh, yeah, as an like oddity. Uh, Drew Sanders, the, the linebacker at Arkansas, a lot of people's linebacker won in this year's class. And, and a lot has been said in the past year, year and a half about how Brad Holmes and the Lions don't value the linebacker position all that much. I've been saying that everyone's been saying that. And and it, in a way, it, it almost felt like Brad Holmes said that at the end of last year's draft, right after they took Malcolm Rodriguez, like he said specifically, like sometimes you feel like you can get contributors at the end of the draft at certain positions. Now he didn't outright say linebacker, but it certainly felt like he was intimating linebacker. And so for them to have interest in the top off ball linebacker in this draft class is interesting. It's, it's notable. It's, I don't know if it's a, I don't know what it is at all. Honestly, like you look at the, at the player himself, 
it does scream kind of a Dan Campbell guy. Like this is a guy with an incredible motor. This is a guy who's a little bit more versatile than, than just an off ball linebacker. I think he had seven or eight sacks last year. So he played, he played a little bit off the edge, right? Mm-hmm. He's a talented duty. He started at Alabama, decided to, to, to kick it to Arkansas for his last year and essentially bet on himself and it worked. Um, so I don't know. It, it feels like, Maybe you you could sell this as as almost like a James Houston type of pick, but you already have James Houston, which which makes it like okay, so where where does he fit in right away if you if you take him? Because I feel like you have to take this guy either at eighteen or at, at forty eight. Like you don't have another option. And if you're taking a linebacker that high, you better have a lot in mind for him because I'm of the belief that's not a very high value position. And I thought that's what Brad Holmes thought too, but now I now he's got me wondering a little bit. Yeah, and you, you pointed this out today, Jeremy, when you were crusading against first-round running backs, but um, <laughs> there's something to be said about, like, the you have to understand, especially in the first round, and in the drafts in general, but, like, there is this opportunity cost, right? And taking a linebacker, like, if 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 that's the guy at 18, well, what, what are you passing on? Like, you could be passing on Darnell Wright, who could potentially play a very expensive position at a very low cost if you draft him at 18, if he's your right tackle um, at some point on his rookie contract. Or, right. you know, um, th- there, there's just the Lions are they're accumulating really good talent and it's young talent and they're drafting that talent and the <clears throat> the bill becomes due at a certain point. Right. So mm-hmm. you, you just have to you have to be cognizant of that. And I, I think I think Lions are going to do that. That's why. You know, I, I don't really see them probably making all five of these picks that they have in the in the top 81. I also see them I, like I'm starting to become team trade back. Like and and I, I think I think I think their needs kind of dictate that based on the players and, and where they are kind of on the board. So the Drew Sanders thing, though, very interesting. I will say the one thing I learned uh, in the beast is that he was the only athlete ranked higher in the 2020 class. Um, mm. He was the number one athlete in the 2020 class. Uh, ahead of Darnell Washington. It, it's interesting because I've already seen some some Lions fans because there, there are a lot of fans. I, I think there's always been like every, every Lions fans want the Lions to improve their linebacker room. So uh, Drew Sanders, the number one prospect potentially at that level, um, has, has just drawn a lot of fans. But I've seen a lot of people like call him Micah Parsons a little bit. Um, and I, I get like I get the motor. I get the athleticism. I get all that. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure he has the pass rush do it all potential that that Micah Parsons has. I mean, maybe he does, but he, you you have to remember, like he's he doesn't have that much experience doing all that stuff. So it would require a lot of development. It would require a lot of coaching for him to get to that level. And I just I don't quite see it. What we do see is righteous felon craft jerky. What who are we not trading back for in the draft? Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Why? Because it's our number one, our number two, and our number three, Ryan. Yeah, each uh, meat stick has eight grams of protein. And each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. It's a lot of protein. It's more protein than probably Steve Avila was eating at Fogo de Chao. Cannot confirm nor deny that, but apparently, it would be a great put on- source of jerky. Well, and it also it's also it's also good and it's lean for you and you're not going to put on 10 pounds in, the, in eating a bag of jerky like Avila at all put on 10 pounds eating Brazilian barbecue. But yes, Righteous Felloncraft Jerky brings you the Pride of Detroit podcast and it's available to Lions players and at the training facilities at Allen Park. Even better, they're best in, based in best base biz biz biz. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They lose locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef and prize themselves on a superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. In fact, while I have it on my head still, why not Brazilian barbecue flavored jerky? I don't know. Maybe it's but, what I, but what I do know? Promo code. POD15. Use it at checkout. Get 15% off your order at RighteousFelon.com. Once again, POD15. Uh, when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we got to chat up about the rest of the NFC North. See how those dunderheads are doing, have done in this uh, offseason. And we're going to talk about more than just 
what the hell is going on with Aaron Rodgers, believe me. So we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast as we get closer and closer to the draft. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right to Detroit POD cast. Let's take a step away from the Lions for a second and look at the rest of the division. As we get closer and closer to the draft, we should probably take a look at how the offseasons have gone for the other three teams, unfortunate enough to not be the Detroit Lions. So we've, we've divided up the homework. We've let each of us have a team. And for my troubles as being the adequate host, I am getting... A team that uh, did pretty well last year, but ended up just being a complete effing paper tiger and is quite honestly very forgettable sometimes. And that would be the Minnesota Vikings. So how we're going to do this, we're going to talk about what what they've done so far and just as as Lions guys, I guess, analyze it. So some that doesn't mean we're going to be crapping on them. We're going to try to be as neutral as possible. Jeremy's kind of like, yeah. But I, I think like. once we get to Jer- the team Jeremy has selected, there's going to be some gnashing of teeth because they've made a couple of good moves. But the Minnesota Vikings were at a very interesting spot last year. As I mentioned, they had a they went to the playoffs. They had a good record, immediately got trashed. And not only did they get trashed, they got trashed by the goddamn New York Giants. Now, the Vikings clearly are still in the phases in spite of the new coach, the NGM they had last year. They were clearly still in the phases of trying to make this work with Kirk Cousins. And I believe this year they still are. Kirk Cousins, I don't, I I, I forget off the top of my head how many years are left on that contract. This is last year. This is his last year. Thank you. So it's presented several questions for this, for their general manager, uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa as far as what they'll do in the draft, but uh, we should probably recap some of the free agent free agency they've had because they lost quite a few pieces, a couple of key pieces from their defense. They lost um, Marcus. um, No, I'm sorry. uh, Signed elsewhere here. Here's my section here. So obviously veteran veteran Patrick Peterson moved on. He moved to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they they're already down a corner there. Dalvin Tomlinson cashed in during his free agency. He, found a home in the Cleveland Browns for about 57 millions. And Eric Kendricks also out, out of town, their uh, linebacker. And who, who else am I thinking of? Adam Thielen, like leaves town from the offense. And then uh, 
Second cornerback, they lost Duke Shelley, who had a really good year last year, decided to take a one-year deal with the with the Raiders. So that's already a bit of a hole. Now they've they've patched it up quite a bit. They made some big splash signings, especially with uh, one of the a cor- one cornerback to at least fill the two holes they had, Byron Murphy. Yeah, the two-year deal with him. And then I think the other one they really had was, you know, they they saw Thielen go, but then they turned around and got, uh, you know, Josh Oliver. You know, Thielen wide receiver, Oliver is a tight end. But either way, I think Oliver does. Um, he, he can catch plenty of balls. He can catch p- plenty of balls. And then Marcus Davenport, who signed to a one-year deal as well. So, I don't think they've really gained more than they've lost, especially on the defense right now. And I think it leads to, you know, they'll be picking 23rd. It's out of kind of that prime section of the first round where you want defensive talent. This team is worse than they were. last. It's absolutely worse. Their defense is worse. And they were one of the worst defenses in football last year. Their offense, not better. Losing Adam Thielen and replacing him with the tight end is not an improvement. Um, they listen, they they were they were in a tough spot, right? They didn't have a lot of free agency resources. Uh, they didn't have a lot of cap space. They had they had to restructure some guys, they had to let some guys go. They got worse, significantly worse. And now I think I think there's a good chance this team essentially hits a reset button. They'll call it a retool, but I would not be surprised to see this team draft a quarterback. That's where I was leading. Like I, especially at 23, you don't have the resources to go up and get one of the, one of the top sexy guys, but yeah. For, I mean, for a team to, to that's break... been tight against the cap, mm-hmm. what's a good way to fix that? You draft a young quarterback. You, you try to figure it out there. And so maybe they trade up. Like I know I've, I've seen some crazy conversations of 23 to three. That would, that would require that would be digging into next year's draft picks. And I wouldn't recommend that because I, I don't think this is a good roster. I think this no. is the worst team in, in the NFC North. And I know I, that sounds crazy with how good of a record they had last year, but they got worse than they were last year. And listen, by DVOA, this was one of the worst teams in the NFC North last year. They were lucky as hell. And and maybe maybe that was a sign of good coaching. Maybe not. But I just, they 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 bled talent. They got exposed as frauds last year at the end of the year. I think this, honestly could be a bottom five team in the NFL. Call me crazy. Okay. You're crazy because you're a fan of the Vikings. I don't know why you're hating on them so much. (laughs) We couldn't get through the segment without doing that bit, but sure. I, they, they're definitely due for a big step back, right? Mm -hmm. Like just by every measure, like you're saying, Jeremy, like DVOA measure, the fact that they had a negative point differential, but won 13 games. I mean, like just an insane amount of luck bounces going their way. I mean, I feel like if you want to understand Minnesota's season last year, you can just look at that Buffalo Bills game, right? Like that was their entire season in a nutshell, because then they had that they had the game against Jeff Saturday <laughs> when they were down by a bazillion points to Matt Ryan. Losing My to goodness. Jeff Saturday. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to ask you, Ryan, then. So like thinking about defense is a massive need for them, and I just don't see them being able to patch it up completely. Uh, in this draft. But again, the larger problem is, is that Kirk Cousins finally year of his contract and probably not someone at his age that like you're, are, I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I, I get so, it, it feels so weird to talk about Kirk Cousins because there is one set of sat that says Kirk Cousins is a, is a top, is like a top 10 quarterback. On the other hand, like, I don't want to give money to him. So that leads you to, if you're going to get a quarterback in this draft, are you going to be happy with someone like Will Levis or Hendon Hooker? Or are you going to be fine with that second second rank of quarterback? Because I don't think that really solves it. You're just kind of looking for a guy who can be the in-between to whatever you can. And then I don't know if you bought him out or if you just try to find a better free agency pick for quarterback this next year. Yeah, I mean, tinfoil hat theory, maybe the reason why Brad Holmes is bringing Hendon Hooker in is because he's letting the Vikings know you need to get need to get in front of 18. 
you want Hendon Hooker, um, dip into that future draft capital that Jeremy's like work it, you know, work no, no, the Vikings again. Idea. <laughs> but but the, the, I mean, Chris, that's the that's the question. Like your ceiling with Kirk Cousins, I think your ceiling was kind of realized last year in a very very lucky season. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, you know, you you got out of Kirk Cousins what you expect from him, throwing the ball short to T.J. Hawkinson, and I they have weapons, right? Like they still have Dalvin cook still have Justin Jefferson, who, if he's not the best receiver in the league, he he's probably number two, right? They have TJ Hawkins and they have weapons on offense. The defense is just abysmal though, right? Like, and, and you cannot overstate how big of a loss Dalvin Tomlinson is like, he was mm-hmm. an incredible run stuffer. And I, I do see them taking a big step back bottom five in the NFL. That might be wishful thinking uh, just to step on their step on their throats. But I, I could definitely see them being like a seven win team this year. Let's talk bears. Jeremy, you have bears. Yeah. Let's, let's talk to Chicago bears. Um, the bears. Let's. I mean, we all know who they were last year. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL, arguably the worst based on having the first overall pick, all that sort of stuff. Um, but they were in a good position to uh, start the rebuild, kickstart the rebuild with with authority. I would say they had the, the most draft or the most cap space in free agency, and they they used it. They, I would say, they made th- four major signings: uh, Nate Davis, a guard, three years, thirty million; Demarcus Walker, three years, twenty-one million; Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker, four years, seventy-two million. Although it's worth noting that that's really—I looked at the, the contract; it's really more of a two-year, forty-two million dollar contract, which is still $21 million a year for uh, a linebacker. And then T.J. Edwards, three years, nineteen and a half million. They made that changes. trade, man. They they made some tra- changes to the running back room. They they add Andrew Billings at Robert Tunyon, low level signings that that might have some sort of impact. And then yes, obviously the the big trade. Um, they trade out from first overall. They get DJ Moore, the ninth overall pick. So they they trade down eight spots. Get DJ Moore. Get a second rounder this year, a fourth rounder next year, and a second rounder two years from now. And I want to start there because I think the the trade terms of that are very telling for expectations this year. You get a piece right away in DJ Moore. You get a second round pick this year, but then you get a first round pick next year and a second round pick two years from now. This is a long-term thing. They are they are building draft capital for down the road. And I think that's why, that's my main point before we get into like your guys' expectations for this year and all that sort of stuff. This is going to take some time. This was a very, very, very bad Bears team. And I think there are some people that say like, wow, they got they got four or five, maybe six starters in free agency. They're going to have some draft capital now this year. Like they can make a quick turn. They have, you know, someone who could be a franchise quarter. They could turn this thing around in a hurry. Pump the brakes on that. They're headed in the right direction. I think they're building in a smart way, but they are in year one of this thing. They are not ready to make a playoff run. I agree. I also think that we, I think we've talked about this before, but it might've been off air too. Like I think the expectation is that the Panthers will be right back here this time next year as well. And end up giving the bears like a top five draft pick. I'm not sure if that's completely necessary to happen just because that division can be very easily won on accident sometimes, especially with the NFC South especially with the teams right now in the NFC South, the headless Bucks team, the Saints with Derek Carr and whatever the hell the Falcons are. Like you could easily pull some wins and it, it, it doesn't mean that the Bears automatically get another top five pick out of out of Carolina or even a top 10 pick out of Carolina. Um, I and mean, they were a near 500 team last year, right? Yes. No, Absolutely. DJ Moore, I think, as yeah, you're you're right though. That gives them something for the here and now. It's it's an odd place for them to be, where it's like they want to be building for a long term future, but I think they also understand the patience isn't really with them that they have to win some games this year as well. Well, they so. they just need to do it for for Justin Fields' sake, right? Like they they yes. have to put something in that room, otherwise he's never going to progress. We we talked. Uh, we've already um, got we've already got people and sh- writers in Chicago who thinks they should draft. That before the Bears traded out of the pick, they should have drafted Bryce Young and replaced Justin Fields. Right. Like, it, it, and I'm it, not saying that's bad for Justin Fields. Justin Fields had some games where he was flashing, 
very good stuff last year. Like very good run, very good quarterback acumen out there. It's just that he had no one to defend him. He had no one to throw the ball to. It was, as you said, one of the worst teams in the NFL. If if you're going to find out whether Justin Fields is going to be your quarterback of the future, you have to get him weapons. You have to to build around him. Right. It, it's the whole it's the Jared Goff thing. Like the Lions didn't know if he was going to fit what they wanted to do in year one because they didn't have the supporting cast. Now they do. And it worked out pretty well. So I'm not saying it, it's going to work out very well for Justin Fields, but they needed to find out. And so getting that weapon right away was important, not so that they can compete in 2023, but so that they can tell whether they got the guy. Yeah, I, I think there's plenty of things to point at the Bears this offseason and be like, mm, man, you're spending that much money on on off ball linebackers. Sure. You're 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 going this route. I mean, you know, obviously with the you know, that's in reference to Tremaine Edmonds, but I mean they they shelled out a good penny for TJ Edwards too. You yeah. know, they basically paid him like Alex Anzalone money. So yeah, you you you're from an outsider's perspective, looking at it and being like, wow, you spent $92 million on the linebacker position. Okay. Uh, that's, that's one way to, to spend your, spend your money in the off season. But I, th- there weren't really any moves outside of the trade out of one. And who knows if they could have gotten more if, if they had waited, no pun intended. But I do think that like DJ Moore is a legit threat. And to your guys's point, like, if you want to figure out if Justin Fields is your guy, you have to surround him with talent. But I look at that move as the best move that maybe anybody in the NFC North did bar none. I mean, the Lions sure. for all the for all the nice little moves they made, like, you know, I love I love the Cam Sutton move. I love taking a roll on the dice on Manuel Mosley, but I mean, the Bears, they got a wide receiver who like, hey, if he could be a top 10 receiver, DJ Moore could definitely be a top 10 receiver in in the NFL and you get that future draft capital. That that's the move. That's like, okay, they're building two. Yeah. They're building two. Right. And I I like, and I want to reiterate that I do think they're building in a smart way. And this could be a team that could be dangerous down the road. But before we we move on um, to the Packers, I I just want to point out like some severe deficiencies in this team's roster that, I think could, mm. could very much sink him first being the offensive line, right? We keep talking about how horrible it was and, and maybe it was a little bit better than we've given it credit for, but I don't think just adding Nate Davis, who's much more of a run blocker than a pass protector is going to help when you have a quarterback that is running for his life all the time. Um, Quick question and, for you. Yeah. In, in that, in that regard on the offensive line, because I feel like at nine, I, I thought originally them moving back to nine, they're still in good position for, a good offensive lineman in the draft. And that might be true, but they might not have their, their pick of that. I, I don't know if that's still true. If it's Paris Johnson or someone Skaronsky. else. Yeah. It might yeah. be Skar- I think they should have their option at one of those guys. And I very much wouldn't be surprised if they take Skaronsky or Paris jr. Or whoever, um, whoever it is. The, but the be- other thing real quick, I wanted to, yeah. the other thing I want to mention was that I think that they probably have guard figured out now though, because they took Tevin Jenkins from tackle sure. mm-hmm. They moved him to guard. He seemed to work out pretty well there. You get him and Nate Davis. Okay, now you're building something. There's still a ways away though, right, Jeremy? I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and and again, I think I think they're valuing running game over pass protection, which might make sense to what they want to try to be. But at the same time, you got to protect your your franchise quarterback. Um, the other thing was this team was 31st in pressure percentage last year in terms of their defense. They didn't add anybody. I mean, they added Demarcus Walker. Who, who did have seven sacks last year, but actually those that that wasn't his, his pressure statistics were not good. Um, so I think that was maybe an inflated sack number. Don't have a, a lot of good edge talent. They don't have, uh, I mean, I'm looking at it like Travis Gibson, Justin Jones, Andrew Billings, any of those guys strike fear in you? Nope. No, but, but to that point, Jeremy, like, I do look at their defensive backfield and I am intrigued by it with some of the names they have back there. Right. Intrigued, but intrigued, but not threatened, (laughs) but like it's nothing you can take to the bank. Yeah. Right. It's it's a bunch of young guys, right? It's a bunch of young guys and, and, and they're, they're star safety. Jaquan Brisker. Well, uh, Eddie Jackson. Okay. Yeah. But Jaquan Brisker budding potential. Great player. Right. Ja- Jaquan Brisker, 2022 second round pick. Kyler Gordon, 2022 second round pick. Uh, Jalen Johnson, 2022, 2020 second round pick. A lot of young guys, 
I, I worry a little bit that they might fall into the trap that the Lions did. No veteran presence outside of Eddie Jackson in that secondary. Um, and, and just, I mean, listen, they invested it in the past couple of years. They hope that it all works out, but there's no guarantee. And, and outside of Jaquan Brisker, I don't know if any of those guys have proven that they can rely on them as starters. They didn't have anyone in the secondary. So something, just a, a question that I have with their team, but, but certainly a, a, a potential young and, and improving group. Should we talk about the Packers? Let's do it. Okay, so this this is good. Okay, so <laughs> it was it was it was good that I had a chance to just take a look at the Packers offseason and realize that their their key signing, uh, their key re-signing was all pro kick returner Keyshawn Nixon. Um, <laughs> but I, in all seriousness, like that is that is all they've done. Yeah. Right. Like they they have signed special teams talent. They've signed depth talent in terms of bringing guys back. But there's a there there's an exodus of talent. Right. Like and obviously, first and foremost, it's Aaron Rodgers. Right. And right. they're waiting for that shoe to fall. And I don't know how much that has inhibited their ability to do other things this offseason. We know that generally the Packers are a team that doesn't like the, the Packers don't do much in free agency. Right. No. And when they do, it's usually to resign their own guys. And that's really about it. They've always traditionally been a team mm-hmm. that doesn't believe in going outside in free agency. I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know if you mentioned him, like Tarvarius Moore was the big, was I think their big outside signing. Yeah. I, I don't know who that is, um, yeah. <laughs> but so they, they lose Alan Lazard and, you you look at the offense, okay? So obviously it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to move on from Rodgers. There there right. there are there's a lot that you can read out there. I would recommend reading an article that Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap uh put out about Aaron Rodgers and the cap ramifications that a trade to the Jets would have on the Packers cap. Um obviously like it's not going to be crippling, but it's not going to be great that they have to trade Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, again, they're still in this holding pattern where who knows what they get for him, right? Like, it seems like they've backed off the whole we want a first-round pick for him thing. Obviously, those picks will that they do get for Aaron Rodgers will help. But all that being said, they lost Alan Lazard, who led their team last year in receptions and yards and touchdowns. They have Christian Watson and they have Romeo Dobbs, two guys that they drafted. But at the same time, like their rookie seasons were marred by injuries and inconsistencies. You know, like Christian Watson had six games where he had two or fewer catches. uh, And that's over 14 games. Romeo Dobbs, you know, had four games where he had two or fewer catches in, in 13 games. You know, they both missed time due to injuries. The biggest the biggest indicator that I think that the Packers put out to all of us that their intention is, Hey, we're not going to like roll over in the NFC North. They, they rework stuff. Uh, they reworked that Aaron Jones contract yep. Yep. and they just as easily could have let him go. And I think that they were probably prepared to let him go if they couldn't find a number that they could agree on when they reworked that deal at, at that time, they were 16 and a half million dollars over the cap prior to that move, but it saved them like nearly $12 million by by getting that deal fixed and i think if you have him and you have aj dillon you have some level of security built in to jordan love's rookie season that's that's what makes it so it's 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 a great use of the word rookie season there because it's true and like that's kind of the problem here it's a rookie season on basically very few very little time left and it's not it's not like the Packers can just tank for this year because you need to simulate like what Jordan Love is going to be with a decent team to know what he is. So it's it's a weird limbo they found themselves in. And yeah, I've, I keep looking at their free agency. I keep waiting for them to do something. I realize like. Jeremy, like as much as Packers fans, I think, like to talk about how they have all the leverage on the jets and it's just in the, the jets are the ones holding this up and it's on them to finish it. Like they they've been paralyzed by 
a little bit with with Rodgers too. Maybe, yeah. I mean, listen, their their cap situation wasn't good at all going into the offseason. Mm-hmm. They were in in a similar situation to the Vikings. So I, I think I think holding on to Aaron Jones was huge for them. It it, it was maybe the the biggest. Maybe that's your your splash signing is just working your way to Getting, get him. Yeah, I I would also put David Bakhtiari on that list. They restructured his contract. Listen, th- this the offensive line is returning. The run game is returning. That was what the Packers were last year. That is what made them successful last year. And yeah, they're not going to have a good receiving core. They maybe they had a guy in the first round. Maybe and they they typically don't. But maybe maybe they will. I think their offense will be above average still because Aaron Jones is. I mean, this is fifth in in rush defense or rush offense DVOA last year. I don't see that changing. There, there's no reason to believe that will change. And and so I think their offense is going to keep their head above water. They were not a great passing team last year. And so I'm not saying they're going to get better with Jordan Love. I, I don't think they will. But if they get worse, I don't know if it's going to affect their their, their bottom line on offense. Defensively, there's there's still an issue. They didn't lose much in offseason on, on the defensive side of the ball, but they didn't gain really anything other than um, the random safety that that, that – <laughs> Chris mentioned that I also don't know anything about. Yeah, uh, he's, he's well, from the 49ers. I, it doesn't matter. I was just the, he, was, he was the one name I noticed on like the, the free agency rundowns. It's like this is an addition. Yeah, the the player that they'll obviously get back, though, is Rashawn Gary. Right. So he he tears his ACL in week yep. nine. Yep. That happens early enough in November that maybe they can, you know, anticipate him being ready by week one. Who knows? But. Even then, it's a question mark, right? It's yeah. like mm-hmm. it's um it's an uncertainty about your season, and and honestly, when you look at that defense, he's a premier player. Like he is one of their yeah. top top, I would say top two defenders. Like you have Jair Alexander, right? Who, who's getting after the quarterback on that defense like him? Nobody. I mean, Preston Smith is is also there, but but like, I guess but, my my point is like. I don't this this team is going to take a step back. I don't think it's going to be a massive step back. I think they're still going to be in the conversation for contending for the division. I, I really do. It's going to completely 100%. I I would say it's going to completely 100% depend on the play of Jordan Love. They've, it's going to matter. <laughs> they, they they I think they've succeeded in in the sense that they have succeeded in that this year is about letting Jordan Love sink or swim and they have succeeded in that in that regard. Yeah. I, just, I, I think maybe they can get away with like a game manager type of season for him. Like, let's take you along slowly. Let's not put too much on your shoulders. Let's really lean on the run game and see if we can still win some ball games like that. And I think they will. Um, I think it's I think they're the like if I if I'm putting I I almost feel like it's very clear to me right now. And obviously the draft has to happen and more will still happen. But I feel like it's the Lions are the clear number one. The Packers are the clear number two. The Bears are the clear number three and the Vikings are the clear. number. Wow. Four. That's how I, I see I, it. I, I, I don't know what to do with that. I just want to throw one other note out there that last year. I think your year, one and two is correct, and I'm just splitting hairs between Bears and Vikings at this point. With, without Rashawn Gary, they finished 22nd in total pressures. So it uh, makes a big difference. Yeah. Like even, even though you had Preston Smith last year, you know, um, even if you had some other guys who kind of had their moments. I, I think I tend to agree with you. Like, I, I think I would almost don't hate me, but like I, I would tear it. And I think that I would put lions and Packers in the same tier just because the lions still have, they have a lot to prove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like no not, nine and eight last year does not buy you bona fide. You're the number one team in the NFC North to me. I think, no, I think that's, that's fine. And like, l- listen, the Packers defense wasn't good last year, but they, but they're getting a, a key part back, and I think they have some good players. And, you know, Kenny Clark is another guy that we haven't even mentioned, who mm-hmm. I think is a really, really good player. And and so that gives you talent at basically every – like we talked about a corner, we talked about a linebacker, we, we've talked about defensive line. They, they've got guys at each level. So, again, I, I think the the amount of drop-off is, is being a little bit overstated with the Packers. Yeah, I, I don't agree. think they completely, completely crash out. So, but I think and, we got around – that's What's also up? not us. That's also not us being afraid of the boogeyman. You know what I mean? Like that's right. just that's just looking at. You want me to finish this segment off? That's just us looking at the NFC North. Wonderful. Thank you for bringing it home. Ryan can be found at Ryan underscore POD. Jeremy can be found at Detroit online. I'm found at Chris Perfett. 
Uh, anything else we need to, any other business we need to do before we get out of here? No, let's get out of here. Well, for all three of us, we say it every week. We'll, we will see you star side. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. <laughs>